0: Good morning. Hey, I'm actually pretty loud today. Wow. <laughs> nice. I love that last part. Um, when we can't do it in our own strength, like he's there. He's there to carry us. And if you guys know what Josh's schedule looks like during the week, and I'm sure many of you guys, I think he meant that this morning. <laughs> Josh, thank you for, uh, for leading our worship with this. Um, so it's been really cool. We've had a, a great last week, and this week we're in a new message, new sermon, called Find, Fix, and Finish. Um, I borrowed that from my buddy's chief operating officer of the Army at Fort Killeen, um, and, and, uh, or Fort Hood in Killeen, Texas, and um, actually thought, well, since he's from the Army and since he's talking about um, how, how to guide and direct 100,000 men there and how to get them on mission, um, why wouldn't we go to the book of Jeremiah? <laughs> Talk about a hardcore prophetic message, right? And so last week, um, we looked at what it it means to find, to seek the Lord and His will. It's in your sermon notes if you have it, so I'll pull these out. Um, You can follow along in your sermon notes. There's blanks. These first few answers are filled in for you. And I actually see there, it starts off with four, five, and six, so that's good. We're off to a good start this morning. So last week, we talked about how do I know if I'm living out God's will? Like, how do I know that I'm living out His will and not just my own, right? And that's a tough question because we we wake up and we get to hear our thoughts, and we know our emotions, and we know what's going on kind of in our world during that week, and it's super easy to kind of follow along with what we feel and decide, you know, this is what I'm going to do today. That's what we talked about. Go back and listen to last week, am I living out my will? God's will, or this last part, the enemy's will. And there is such a thing. We're in the book of Jeremiah, and we'll cover Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14 today, but we also all add some additional scripture to that. So we're in the same scripture, um, but just, just let me back up and clarify a little bit. The, the reason why the book of Jeremiah, that God gave us this book, um, there's 52 chapters, so I don't, think that's, I don't think that's a coincidence, right? One for every week of the year. Um, 45 of those chapters are all, actually all about, um, I'm going to go a little old school, but they're about repent, <laughs> like, you know, turn around, like I'm doing something and I want you to be a part, and, I know, and not only like, quit following your will, like I'm trying to get your attention on my will, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow this whole nation to, to crumble, because you're not listening, essentially. And uh, I think there's, the book of Jeremiah actually speaks to, and last week I I actually failed to describe it properly. I said it was a a good read, it was an easy read. It's not actually an easy read. What I meant to say was, it's very relevant for our day and age. You know, um, we we pray for our kids constantly in school, right? Um, We even heard statistics this morning while even was... um, with us in adult Bible study, that many people are turning away from the church. Many people are turning away um, from God's Word in, in the days that we live in today. And we see it. And if you read the book of Revelation, it talks about a fourth of the people turn away and then another fourth of the people turn away. And it's like, wow, and that's in the end times. So I don't know where we are in that whole end times thing. So I'm not going to sit up here and preach doomsday to you. Um, I have friends that, like, earnestly, honestly believe that we are in the beginning of those days. So the book of Jeremiah is, um, it's basically saying, well, everyone else, while an entire nation is going and doing their own will, while an entire nation is chasing their own idols, worshiping whatever they want to worship, making up their own rules, like, God's just trying to say, "I, I, I just want you to turn towards me. So... Um, that's a little bit of more in-depth material. Um, King Solomon actually sees over 100, uh, 100 years the spiritual decay of God's people. From the least to the greatest, each generation of that nation progressively turns away from faith and forsakes their Lord and His covenant. So God allowed judgment. And, the, and, um, and I'm, not, I'm not standing up here to preach like the downer message, right? And... Uh, But but every now and then, I think it's important for us to see, like, the God who loves us so much, the God who is holy and just, He does get our attention. And He does allow storms and trials in our life, even over our nation, to say, hey, I'm going to let you find out who's really in control. So God allowed judgment, as described in the book of Jeremiah, exile for 70 years. He allowed the people of God to be exiled to Babylon. And then eventually he brings them back. They weren't in a a good position spiritually. So my question this morning is for you and me, right? When you came through these doors, just say this last week. Where are you at um, in your spiritual walk? Like how are you doing spiritually today? Would you say I'm 10 out of 10, like I'm ready to go? Larry, you said you wanted to plant 10 churches in Alaska, like count me, set me down for one. Like if you're that I don't want to talk to you after to church today, that'd be amazing. They're looking for a pastor in, in Juneau, I believe. No, but on a more serious note, like where are you spiritually? Are you maybe a one out of ten? And in a in a better way to think about this question is has there ever been a time in your life that you've actually felt closer to God than you do right now? Like think back to maybe your best year as a Christian, for those of you who've been on this walk for a while, for those of you who are still kicking the tires and saying, I don't know what to think about this, this is is maybe something you'll get to wrestle with in the future. But has there ever been a time in your life where you felt closer to God than you do right now? And the question is, why is that? So that's what we're talking about today. Um, Some of you... If I can answer this for you, I would imagine that you're facing trials and storms this morning. I mean, we heard about family members that are fighting. Um, we heard about people that, that were celebrating their funerals today or, or honoring them in a funeral today. So some of us are in storms and trials. Some of us don't like our, our significant others very much right now, right? Like how many people had sparks driving on the, in the car on the way to church this morning? That happens. Myra and I ride separately, so it's rare. <laughs> It's rare, so I can be honest and tell you there were no sparks in our car this morning. It was actually pretty bit chilly. Um, some of us came in with celebration. You know, we're, we're genuinely in a point of our life where we're celebrating. Like, we're excited to see what God's doing. We're celebrating what He's doing in our community. Um, just last night, I, I, I shared this this morning. Last night, we were a part of, I kind of invited myself um, and thanks to Duncan and his grace, allowed me to come or actually made a way for, for Myra and I to come join the fisherman um, work group. And we got to see hundreds of people just gathering together and joining one another for a good cause. Um, and I, I don't think it's any accident that there was a Christian man that was, that was standing up in front of all of those people who was casting vision. I don't think it's any coincidence that we're in the book of Jeremiah and I, and I Duncan, I hate to say it, but I, I sometimes think what if God might allow something to happen over our fishing industry one day? Over the area of Kodiak, good or bad, like is he really in control of that or not? Good or bad, like he might actually cause us to get to the point where we go, okay, you're, you're our God. You're the one true God. And he blesses us for many years And then for several years, we could face the opposite of blessing, right? But it's all underneath his authority. That's what I was thinking last night as as our fishermen gathered. And I prayed, God, please bless this city. Please bless this industry. God, please bless these people in your name. God has not abandoned us. If you're facing a trial or a storm right now or a tough time in life, let me just say this. God hasn't abandoned you. He's moving towards you. And he wants you to know with everything that he's about that he loves you tremendously. And I, I often pray this. I pray for God to wrap your arms around those of us who need just a hug from our Father and to show us how real you are. Like I pray for that all the time. So Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14. So the. The first part of this message today is, is meant to be like a, like a repent, like an honest, like a. but the second part gets better. So I'm going to preach kind of two messages in one today, and I'm curious which one speaks more to you. I'd love to hear later. So Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14, in your sermon notes, the first scripture up, it says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore you from captivity and gather you from all the nations, places to which I have banished you. So they're in Babylon now, God's people, declares the Lord. I will restore you to the place which I sent you into exile. So these first few bullet points, find and seek the Lord in His will. That was from last week. We're just reviewing. The next one is fix your eyes on Christ. Decide today to live for His kingdom instead of our own. If you read through the book of Jeremiah, that's basically what he's saying. I want you to live for my kingdom. I want you to not forget, you know, the love that you once had for me. In this last part, this is where we're going to spend most of our time. Finish. Live each day with the end in mind. So, this is actually my favorite part. Living each day with the end in mind. Uh, Craig brought up uh, Bill Ross this morning. William Ross. His services are at 1 p.m. today. And I don't think we, uh, several of those guys get together Wednesday morning, and I believe it was um, Sam uh, Much he said, he said, do you guys know Bill wrote his own um, epitaph? <laughs> Bill wrote his own obituary. And, I, and it was, that was kind of cool, because talk about living with the end in mind. So if, so if each one of us, and I've got Bill's right here, so if each one of us lived with the end in mind, like, what, what would we want to say about ourselves? Like, what would, what would we want others to say, to think, or to remember? What would I want my kids to say, or my wife, or my friends? So, I'm going to read a couple from Bill's. Bill was born, so I, I love this that he wrote this. Bill was born March 14th, 1920, to Fred and Minnie Ross in Champaign County, Illinois. He was the sixth of seven children. Family worked hard. Listen to this work ethic that Bill likes to describe. Family worked hard at farming in Ohio, Illinois. Bill enlisted in the Navy in the 1940s, seeing action aboard the Navy destroyers in the Atlantic, providing convoy duty. He was transferred to an aircraft carrier in the Pacific shortly before the end of World War II. Having risen in the rank from seaman to boatswain's mate, chief, he also served in the Korean War. Uh, Bill goes on to say, in 1952, Bill and his young family transferred from Japan to Kodiak Island, that's how he came here, and fell in love immediately with the beauty and wild places around this island. Like, I'm, I'm already there with them. This place is amazingly beautiful. So, this, this part I love. I'll read two more parts. Bill was an expert marksman and an accomplished gunsmith. I want to put Johnny, Johnny Walker right there, too but found he couldn't ch- um, charge people for the time it takes to do the fine work that he did. <laughs> he, his sh- he shelved his gunsmithing in his old age and in the meantime took up a second career as a longshoreman and part-time halibut fisherman becoming a pioneer in the Kodiak halibut fishery. People may remember his boat's names, Lazy Sue, Susan, Bobby D in Columbia, um, but here's the last part. Following his retirement, Bill and Ellen, of 76 years, married together, spent many summers boating around Shuyak. I'm saying all these wrong. A and Raspberry Islands. This is the coolest thing ever. I was actually talking to Damon about this last week. Stopping to visit people and tell them about God's great love and salvation for Jesus Christ. Like, how cool is that? I mean, it's kind of what we're talking about today. Find, fix, and finish. Like the thing that God made you for. Like once, and Craig, you said it well. He he didn't know God for many years, but once God got a hold of him, he said, I'm in. So we're talking about finding and fixing and finishing this mission that God created us for. I love that Bill wrote his own epitaph. We get to read what, what was in his heart. I love that he bragged on himself in there a little bit. Like he, he remembered the highlights of his life and said, I think it was kind of like, Lord, thank you for letting me do all that I did. And I love that he boated around this island into different villages and communities and wanted to share the love that he had. It's pretty cool, to be honest. Um, so finished, live each day with the end in mind is what I'm trying to point at. Guys like Bill don't, don't happen to where they are on accident. They don't happen upon it. They actually live and say, you know what? This is what I want to do. I think every person in this room has the opportunity to finish with the end in mind and write that where that finish line looks like for you and say, this is where I, how I want to finish. This is, this is what I feel like I'm called to do. And with God's help, I think it's absolutely possible times five. So finishing with the end in mind, today's message will be in 2 Corinthians 5.10 as well. And I actually caught this and um, put this scripture in my back pocket from a a pastor friend from about five years ago. He lived and did every day his ministry all based on one scripture. For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body whether good or evil. So we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So every single person that walks on this earth will stand before Christ. And we will all give an account um, of what we've done. Those of us who have accepted Christ, uh, we will be allowed into eternity in kingdom of heaven. We will get crowns for the work that we've done. Those that don't know Christ will not get to share in that. And it's one of those scriptures that talks about working out our faith and fear and trembling. Like, I, this is the one scripture that kind of keeps me up at night every now and then when Christ says, I never knew you. It's like that, that is scary to me. So when we stand before one another, right? So why, why is this so hard for us to get our minds around? First, some of us don't know how real heaven is. And so this scripture just kind of bounces up, like off of us like a ricocheted bullet. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't get that part. Like really, we're going to stand in front of the creator of the universe and he's going he's to give us an account of what we've done or, or what we haven't done? I think that's because when we stand before one another, this is what we're used to, we work hard to appear holy and without sin. And so that's the first two blanks in your... We, we work really hard at showing each other our resumes. I've said that before, right? Like a lot, like a, a little bit what Bill did, we want, we want each other to know the big celebrations, the good things only in our life. And that's okay. But that's, that's how we live day to day. We're so used to showing like on Facebook and social media and when we're having coffee, like I really want you to know the best about me, right? But when we stand before Christ, he knows our heart. Like he knows all of us. There's no, there's no trying to highlight my resume with him. I'll say, yeah, you remember that time I, I uh, built that website in three months at Duke Energy and we all got these huge bonuses and, and I used to run around bragging to people about the nuclear power plant, you know, websites that we built. I thought I was big stuff back in the day, building websites and software for power plants. He's going to go, Larry, you were so far away from me during those times. Like the people that I wanted you to love were all around you and you didn't see any of them and i'm i'm not trying to be convicting i'm actually flashing back to the point in my life when i was probably the furthest from god when i was the most successful in my career when we stand before christ he knows our heart on that day there will be final justice so i i I love the point to this fact whenever people say how does a good god a good and loving god let so much bad happen in the world I like to say, you know what, I don't get it. I believe it has something to do with free will. And he's trying to allow us to have opportunity to choose him or choose ourselves. And in that whole messy process, we wind up hurting one another time and time again. Like, I don't think there's a person in this room that hasn't hurt someone, right? But there will be a day of justice. The day we stand before Christ, like everyone everyone will have to work that out before our Creator. And that's why I love it when Scripture says, vengeance is not yours, it's mine. And so I'm like, all right. Like, I've, I've actually forgiven somebody based on that one Scripture before. I've said, God, I forgive them. Like, I do love them even though they painfully hurt me. But I'm trusting that you're going to keep your word on the other side because what happens when we try to take things in our own hands it gets it gets even uglier for us he's more concerned about our hearts all right so I'm about to get to the good part but before I get to the good part I've got to hit you pretty hard three times god is just he gives us countless opportunities to turn from our selfishness and our idols even in today's day and age we still have ours a lot of them look like comfort they look like success they look like power and control but they're still idols before we stand before Christ, um, where I felt like we were supposed to finish last week's message, but we ran out of time because we jammed in too much. <laughs> so I'll finish, I'll start today's message with it. Before we stand before Christ, I think he's saying repent. Just, and basically repent means if this is my way, all repent means is like I turn away from doing things my way, going this way, and I turn back towards God. That's it. It's like, I'm done. I'm done with that life. Like, I'm done with that world. Like, I actually want God to lead me in a way that's like the way He made me. Before it's too late, repent. Before it's too late, turn. And before you're convinced, this is most of us right here, especially in this day and age, before you're convinced you're all good, like I'm all good, like repent. Just turn. Just say, God. Even though I think I'm good enough, even though I feel like I'm a righteous person, I'm, I'm gonna make the decision just in case to check my. To check in my head at 180 degrees, and my head at zero degrees, right back towards you. So last week, one of the th- I think most of the guys, and I don't know how to take this, but said their favorite part of last week's message was, "Check yourself before you wreck yourself." Right, Ice Cube. <laughs> That was the, the one thing everybody quoted to me last week. And I'm like, oh man, that's wonderful. So, but that's basically the book of Jeremiah. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. And it's actually a little bit more dangerous for those of us who think we're, we're doing all good. Right? Sometimes those of us who think we're all good are the ones who are missing it. So the first part of this message is repent. It's really simple. Matthew four seventeen. This is one of Christ's um, first messages, aside from when he was on the steps as a kid at the at the temple, um, at the synagogues. Matthew four seventeen. This comes from Christ. It says, "From that time, Jesus became the began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near." Like he's trying to say, "I'm here." Like, I'm finally here, and I'm just asking you to turn towards me. Like, I am the real thing. I am the Father, Son. I am all of it. And just turn towards me, and I promise I'm going to take you in a direction that's good. I'm going to take you in the direction that you're made for. That was one of his first messages. And I'm not trying to tell you guys to go out and grab a street corner and a and a, uh, a fish carton, a fish box, and yell, repent, you know, have, who, who's, ever, who's ever heard that guy in the middle of the city downtown? Like, I, I, and I used to tell Myra, I'm like, does that really work? Like, do you think that works? And so, I'm trying not to be that guy this morning, but it's right here in Scripture. It's right here in Jeremiah. Find and fix and finish your eyes and your heart on God's Word, on Christ's his sacrifice for you—it's really simple. It's really easy, and we Christians oftentimes we try to make it really hard and really fancy and really impressive, and it's not. So why is repentance a thing? Like, what is that all about? Um, I believe, and this is the next item in your sermon notes. I believe it's just about reconciliation. I mean, if you think this life that we have, think about this: how much time do we get to practice on this earth? reconciling with one another like if like if I said how many of you could name three people in your life that you feel like you might need to go and do some work and reconcile with why do you think that is I mean I'm convinced that we are here on this earth to figure out what relationships are all about and what happens when when we start going no I'm going to have this my way as soon as we start saying, I'm going to have this my way and I'm going to be selfish, guess where I'm going? I'm heading back over here to selfishness. And guess what happens in that relationship? I've completely separated myself from them. Because usually what people will say to you when you say, no, I'm going to have my way, what do they say? <laughs> they say, well, hit the road. <laughs> hit the road, Jack. Like, you can have it your way. Just go do that somewhere else. That's unforgiveness. That's unforgiveness. So repentance is a thing, I think, simply because he's trying to teach us about reconciliation. And he lets us use our rela- he lets us see that model in our relationships. I'm convinced. I believe that the reason why he gave us marriage in the first place is to yes, be fruitful, multiply, and and have lots of kids in his name. But I think it's also what else happens in relationships? So opposites attract, right? And then opposites what? They attack. <laughs> And so honeymoon phase is over. You're like you're in the worst part of marriage, and you're like, "How did I end up with that person anyway? What do we like the same music? You know?" I'm sorry, I'm kidding. Myron, I love the same music. She loves country. I, I like everything not country. So it's yeah. So it's pretty close. No, I like country too now. Now after 23 years, 22 years. Um. But I th- I think the point in that is it shows the fallen nature that we have. It shows that we all if we're not intentional, start drifting towards selfishness. And then what happens? We start either, whether it's light grit, fine grit, or heavy grit sandpaper, like we start shaving each other's like rough spots off one another in marriage. Like it, and it hurts. Like it hurts big time. I think that's all about reconciliation. I think it's about forgiveness and repenting from our way back to God's way. I, th- I think we get countless reminders in this life about it's not about your way. It's about what I've built for you. And he's just inviting us back into that. So this is the fun part of the message. So that, the first part was repent. I'm ho- hopefully that hit you the way I meant for it to hit you like a two by four. And if you felt that, then, then that was God's love just coming straight through me. All right? God loves you. <laughs> Just, just repent. <laughs> so you don't miss out on this part. This part, I think, is the better part. And this part, I'm convinced that the church has left behind at some point, and I, and I need to go find it. It's really cool. If you'll, read, if you'll read through the Gospels, I think you'll see this part, the part we're about to talk about. Once we've decided, you know what, I'm done with myself, like I actually want this life that you're talking about, what does that look like? Like, I'm convinced. It's this. His will um, His will is that we choose to reconcile with him in his kingdom because, so that my will may be done on earth and in heaven. And my will, let me read 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 19 as we start this second part, and I'm trying not to give it away. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away; beyond the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself. I believe God is trying to invite us to the party, like literally a party, <laughs> like good food, good drinks, great music, awesome people. Like, I think, that, I think that he's trying to invite us to celebrate with him a little bit. And, and um, as I'm preparing this message, like, I don't think it's any coincidence. I found myself at two really fun events in the city of Kodiak. So I think it was um, Friday night, we were at the, the galley tables where they're sharing their stories. Great music. People are having, it. like, the laughter was contagious. It was incredible. Um, several of you were there. Um, that was phenomenal. I think that was a little glimpse of what heaven could look like. People just loving one another, like sharing stories about what we love about life. Sometimes happy, sometimes sad, but it's real. It's like our stories. And then last night at the fisherman gathering, like it was again it was just felt like a feast to me. And I think that those of us in the church we get so focused on the part where, man, I need to repent, I need to repent, I need to repent, I need it, and you do, and you do. But once you turn this way, what does that look like? He's trying to invite us to a party. Um, so back in Austin, we did this thing called Love Where You Live. And it was every two years, all the churches in Austin, 400 of us got together and... Um, we decided to start um, being better um, neighbors. And uh, we started throwing these, these block parties like in the month of October and November. Actually, that's the best weather in Texas because it's not 110 degrees <laughs> and you're not dripping as soon as you get out of the shower. And so we threw these block parties and we use these apps like Nextdoor and Facebook and you just let everybody know and you go around and you invite all of your neighbors and, and the ones you know and the ones you don't know. And it's a little weird because sometimes I'd get Chloe to go with me to invite some, some neighbors over, especially when they have younger kids so I don't look, look strange and I didn't know them. And I'd give them an invite I say, hey, we're having a party down at our house. Um, we're going to fire up the grill. We're going to barbecue. And um, we're just going to get to know one another. So 30 people show up on our front, front line for this party. And maybe, maybe, you know, six of them went to church, and the rest did go to church at some point, but didn't, and, and the others, like, didn't want to have anything to do with that because of hurt or because of maybe some religion they experienced in the past, and it was fine. What was cool is we spent time with one another. We, I don't know if you guys played cornhole, or, um, you know, we tossed um, discs. I'm, I'm forgetting all the right... But we, we had good food, good drinks, and great music. We did that for the next six weeks. It was so much fun. It just kept going for six weeks. We kept meeting up every Thursday in the front yard having this barbecue and this get-together. And we decided to keep meeting as neighbors. So one of those couples introduces us that we never met before, that wasn't going to church, decided to start going back to church. And then that couple introduced us to another couple um, that just came out of a season of of wild, just pretty terrible marriage problems, just a a season of trial, season of storm. And then fast forward three years later, I told you about him a few weeks ago. That couple that was in the middle of the marriage problem, that man is now the the men's pastor and the men's ministry director at our at our church. And he's now leading men's ministry. So it, a, it went from this block party to this friendship to another friendship of encouragement over three years. And people were, it took three years to see fruit from, hey, I'm doing life on my own. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go th- my direction that I want to go to. Oh my gosh, I never knew the Christian life could look like this. And I want more of that. Like you guys are actually having fun. Like, you guys are actually inviting me to a place that I want to be. Like, I, how do I get more of that? And then once they decided I'm all in, it's like, man, I, I, I want to tell people about what this is like. Like, I've never seen Christianity in church like this. Like, I want to tell more people about this. So I want to take some guys to the mountain. Like, I'm telling you, it is the coolest thing in the world to see, even if it takes three years to see those people who are far from God because of a neighborhood block party and because of a church that's welcoming and wants everybody to come to the doors completely say, I'm all in. And I'm done with my old self. I don't think it's any accident that Christ came here. He never wrote a word except for maybe that one time in the sand that we know of anyway. Except for the one time in the sand when the woman was about to be stoned. And we don't even know what that word was. He never wrote a book. He preached sermons. He spoke. But he spent more time at at gatherings as well, at dinner parties, at wedding parties. He, He had dinners with sinners like Zacchaeus, you know, the tax collector. He had dinners with the, what was it, the Samaritan divorce woman. Like he was constantly out with people that you guys might find questionable. If, like, your pastor or one of our other guys is out hanging out somewhere, he might say, "What is that? Person? What is that guy doing there? You know, what's Damon doing over there with those people?" It's like I want to say those people are us. I believe we're invited to this party. Jesus modeled celebration and hanging out. He was constantly trying to point people to what the kingdom was what the kingdom looked like. And he was constantly trying to say, and you guys can have this for eternity, but you can also have it now. So I like to say it this way. We can party right now, celebrate together like we're going to in eternity anyway, right? Like, why don't, why don't we start right now? The difference is what we're celebrating, so for those of you that have maybe have struggled in the past with decisions for, like, if you go to parties and you're making those decisions, like, I hope he's not talking about that kind of party, right? Like, that's just celebrating our own ourselves and what makes us feel good. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is we're celebrating what's to come and what life looks like when I'm, d- when I'm done with my old self. So Luke 15, 7, as I wrap up, and I'll call the band back up in a minute. Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one. And so my prayer this week is, is the same freedom that you experienced when you stepped under the path and accepted Christ, the same freedom and celebration and joy that you once have, and I hope that it's today because you became a, a Christian, a follower, a, a legit follower of Christ, that you actually, we lift our, each of us lift our heads up this week and maybe do life and share life with someone who needs that same joy. Psalm eighty four ten says, "For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere." I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the t- tents of wickedness. So my challenge again is, um, if you haven't, if you haven't turned from yourself yet, if you haven't turned from your way or your idol or your life, that you actually do say, you know what? I don't know what this is all about, but I believe what that guy's saying. Like, I actually believe that there is a better life for me, and I want a better life. Like, I pray that if you haven't done that yet, just to say I'm in. Or come talk to me or one of the guys, or women in the room, that, that has done this and say, I, I need to know more about this. So I'll invite our worship team back up. And let me, let me end with this last challenge. For those of us who have been Christians a long while, I hope we'll find each other out in the community more and more celebrating the joy that we have. I hope I drive around Kodiak and see when it's not raining and see block parties out in, out in our front yards. Like I actually hope and, and I'll cover the costs if we destroy anything but I hope that every man in this room brings two other men and we come and just knock down Duncan's door on the men and meat night you know let's like let's like show these brothers who need us what it actually looks like to hang out and have a good time and the same thing for our ladies you know let's start celebrating a little bit giving our giving ourselves permission to celebrate a little bit um the joy that we have and for those of you who haven't decided that you're all in yet that you even want to test that out like I I just want to pray um Pray for each of us and uh, wrap this up. Bow your heads with me. Father, we love you. God, I thank you that you make this easy, that you make it clear, that you give us instructions. God, I thank you for just your prophet Jeremiah that came back to say, quit doing everything that, that I've asked you not to do and just just love me and follow me. Like I think sometimes... Father, we just need a reminder, and I thank you for it. This is like, haven't you had enough of yourselves? And God, I thank you that you're patient and gracious with us um, to allow us to figure this out. But God, I also thank you for the tough times that remind us that we need you. Father, for those of us who have been on this journey a while and maybe have lost our joy, have have forgotten the love that we once had, I I ask that you just multiply that times ten. I ask that you, you let us see our homes as a base for us to open up and invite our neighbors to, invite our friends, invite those we love, invite strangers to say, hey, come, come celebrate a little bit. And I'll tell you why I'm celebrating. For those in the room that haven't accepted Christ as, as your Savior and Lord yet, Father, I, I just ask that you just wrap your arms around them in a very real way today and this week. Let them see how very real you are, and let them find a place of of safety and challenge and where questions are asked in this church, in this body of people. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite you to stand now.